Hello everybody, good evening, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Um, thank you everybody who's joining us rather than watching the Edinburgh Player of the Season Awards. And we're very grateful to join you. We will tell you who's won, don't worry. If you don't want to know the result, <laughs> post in the comments and I'll do a little warning if you're going to watch watch that back afterwards because of course... Uh, this this would be the place to be, wouldn't it, John? <laughs> Definitely, yes, yes. Um, I, I was tempted, I was tempted, but um, I guess my my loyalty. I know where my loyalty lies. <laughs> well, if you want to, if you don't want to know the results, then uh, we'll tell you when to look away. Otherwise, I'm just <laughs> going to go straight into it. I'll, re- I'll read the results out later. Um, I am Cami Black, as always, uh, your host. Uh, joining me this evening, we have got John Anderson. Hello, John. Hi, folks. Hi, hi, Cami. How are you doing, mate? We're supposed to have Ian here with us as well now. The last we heard from Ian, he, was, he said, I'm off to get some coffee. And he was moaning about the fact that his missus had not got any biscuits in the house. So I don't know if he's taken off in Hunter Biscuits. We don't know. Stranger things have happened this year. So yes. he, he might Facebook, be off on a biscuit fund. <laughs> Facebook does not let us go late, though. So we've had to just go live without him. <laughs> I'm hoping at some point. He'll pop in, and then we'll just add him to the stream, and it'll all be good. Um, may want to give him a message beforehand, just to say that we are live, and please do not swear. I've worked out tonight. I have control over who I can mute. Oh, nice! And yeah, get a god complex and start muting people. <laughs> I disagree with. Not that we ever disagree that much, but. Um. So this, yeah, we've got a we've got a, a jam packed podcast tonight. It is not as someone suggested on Twitter this week. Just going to be a filler episode, John. I I mean, I offered a bit more filler for it. Yeah, that was that was a, a bold comment. I like that. It was good. I know I like that. And that bit of chippiness in the comments. Then, uh, yeah, that's that's what we like to see. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got a, a fair bit of news to get through. We've got the pro. What is it as it stands? The pro twelve. Although we'll come uh, on to at the moment, yeah. where we end up with that, who knows, uh, later on. Um, we've got a bit of Europe to discuss. We might touch upon the Scotland squad because there's a few outside bets for that. We will, we'll, we'll cover the Emperor Awards as well, uh, given that you've all decided to join us rather than, than go and watch that live. Um, only, only fair, I think. Only fair. Yeah. So we're live at the moment on YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter and Twitch. So um, you can find us there, watch us live. Um, I'm going to add Ian. Look, he's, he's fiddling about. Here hey! he is. Hello, Ian. Good evening. <laughs> Did you find working. any biscuits? Did you no. bring the good, the good biscuits, more to the point? <laughs> there is no biscuits. I am biscuitless. Biscuit, biscuitless boil from Boris. No. Can you get, so you can mute people, Cam, but can you, can you, can you just you? kick them straight out of the call for not bringing uh, biscuits? I can, yeah. Check. I can, remu- I can remove Joe them biscuits. from the stream as well. So... <laughs> Isn't you know? Uh, isn't there always a problem with cookies? Eh, eh, oh, eh. there you go. Accept cookies. That's, hang on, I'm all out of whack here. I need to move my desk. <laughs> well, I'm going to mute Ian while he moves his desk, and I'll tell you what I'll do while he does that. You can all watch him do it while we talk about. It. Anyway, this isn't. If you listen on the audio podcast, this is this is meaningless. We're just waffling at the minute. Um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're live at the minute on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, you can also uh, download this and listen on any podcast app or, or, and listen to the audio version after as well. Um, get involved in the comments if you're watching along on any of those, and we will put them up on the screen. Um, we've got Andy. Here's Andy Lone just to show us. Andy Lone, regular listener and, and watcher of the podcast, has said good evening. Hello, Andy. Um, 
We've also got our Patreon, which you can subscribe to the podcast. Um, you uh, For about £3 a month, you get into the Richie Vernon Thunderdome. And that gets you access to exclusive monthly content as well as ad-free audio versions of the podcast. For £5, though, you can upgrade to the Doogie Donnelly Members Lounge. Come in from the cold. We'll get you a pint. Um, see how you're doing. Um, oh, my mother-in-law's trying to Skype, trying to FaceTime me live on air. <laughs> this is no good at all. So, anyway, yes, you can do all of that um, on the on our Patreon, um, like I say, £3 a month or £5 a month, you get lots of additional episodes as well. Um, we've got one on Rugby Sevens. John and I have done one on why uh, conspiracy theories are so attractive to a certain group of Scottish professionals. Yes. Uh, we also, we, Ian, John and I, about a month ago, also did a, a chat about the prospects of a third pro team in Scotland as well. So lots to listen to. Next month in October, we're doing kind of a month-long series of articles on the blogs and a couple of podcasts looking for Scotland's hardest ever player. And we're being quite generous with how we interpret the word hard. It could be adver- overcoming adversity off the pitch or on the pitch. Um, so there'll be lots to get involved in. Some of that will be on the blog. Some will be on the podcast, on the Patreon pages and exclusives. Um, so we'll, we'll launch straight into it. Um, I don't know where to start, but there's a lot to talk about. Um, should we go yep. Europe first? Big bit of news Europe. today. Europe first, yep. Big bit of news today is that... There is uh, two Scottish names on the shortlist for European Player of the Year this year, and they are Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell. They've made it from the long list onto the shortlist. Um, also on the list um, is we've got Semiran Radra is on the list, although he is playing in the he's playing in the Challenge rather than the Champions Cup, and I don't think anybody has ever won it whilst being on the Champions Cup. Uh, in the Champions Cup before. I don't think. I did check beforehand. If, if, if I'm wrong, then someone will correct me, I'm sure. We've also got Sam Simmons of Exeter Chiefs and Virami Vakatawa of Racing 92 as well. Um, John, exciting. Two Scottish players. Yeah, I mean, yeah, both both playing very, very well, obviously. Um, it's great, great to see recognition of Two, two of I would, I would probably argue two of our, our best individuals um, who are obviously tearing it up um, elsewhere. Um, it just again kind of adds some some fuel to the the idea that you know if you're if you're kind of doing it out with a Scotland, it's maybe valued a wee bit more. Um, you know the Pro 14. 12, 16, 26, whatever, doesn't necessarily, despite the fact that it's got like the best team in the world and it still doesn't seem to have the reputation that um, it maybe deserves. So apparently not being able to do it on a, a wet Friday night in Scotland is not quite the same as tearing it up at the, the Paris Metrodome uh, with the, the fancy beer uh, plugs. So, but no, really exciting. I'm really, really pleased. I mean, um, Maybe a bit more surprised hogs on the list than Russell. Russell's just been outrageous um, and deserves to be there. Hogg, maybe, you know, he's been very consistent since he's went to Exeter. So, yeah, good to see. Yeah. Ian, I mean, it's strange. There's been a lot of Finn Russell doubters crawling out the woodwork of late. Um, seven, I think the Opta Johnny, who is not Johnny Gray, but is just a man called Johnny who works for Opta. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, had had tweeted out that it was uh, seven assists during the Champions Cup this season, which I think is the highest anyone's got, and a twenty percent kick success rate, kick pass success rate, it's, which it's, 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 uh, kick retention. I think it's thirty percent. Yeah, which is 
no, nobody else. It doesn't sound very high, but it's much higher than anybody else. Um, yeah, he's the pivot of a, a very exciting racing team, and but you know, well, it's rugby, so there's always and also social media, so there's always going to be somebody throwing throwing shade. I believe the young ones say these days. <laughs> um, so that's uh, my my vote has already been cast. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can guess where it went. Randrada. <laughs> Outside bet, yes. And if I was no. not in any, if I was not in any way biased, possibly, but um. He's he's uh, playing in a Mickey Mouse Cup. We can't vote for him. True. Uh, um, you know, MD that got to the quarterfinals of that Mickey Mouse Cup. It's not really worth. Not worth <laughs> careful, steady on, John. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you do this. The Ember preview on your own later on. <laughs> I would love to do the Ember preview, man. <laughs> but you're only allowed to say nice things. <laughs> I, I I can be very very pleasant when I need to be. Yeah. Um. It is strange. I mean, there's a lot. I think. And I, I don't want to jump early on the Lions chat, but I, I, it's a strange season. We're out of sync. I'm not going to play the jingle because it was too yeah, early in the podcast it. to get a jingle out of the way. Shall we do it? Yeah. I can do it because I've got the mind up. Let's, let's all, get the... All, all filler. It's the legally mandated Lions chat. The legally mandated Lions chat. We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick. But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pay. So yes, um, let's let's just let's go for it. There's the Lions chat jingle <laughs> with pictures now Beautiful. for anyone watching. Um, it, it it makes it interesting. I suppose we're only talking about it now, not because there's no rugby to talk about, but because it's been a strange season and we've got this kind of hangover of last season crossing over with the new season after the autumn tests. I think is officially. When you're allowed to talk about it, but but it the Russell, I think the Russell at ten things throws throws up an interesting thing because he's not played for Scotland yet. Although it sounds like he may, he's likely to be in the squad because everything's patched up. The other candidates are Johnny Sexton, who you know with his forearms and neck muscles bulging, you know what he was doing up to over lockdown. Um, we've got Owen Farrell, Dan Bigger. I mean, you know, you know, no one's taking George Ford, are they, on Alliance Tour? I think if that's your other options, no. Um, but it's Warren Gatland. Um, oh, just love, love I, George Ford at 10 uh, with those big South Africans coming down that channel, wouldn't you? Oh, Sexton's going to get absolutely muddled. It's going to get run over the top. It's going to be class. I, I think it has. What age is Sexton? Is he 35, 34, 35? 704. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was that style that came out last week? Was it only played something like twenty odd minutes of pro uh, pro fourteen last season? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He's basically centrally centrally managed by the Irish national team now, and just kind of loaned out to Leinster when he needs like to cry for finals. Good cryogenic storage <laughs> in between the internationals. It's like demolition, man. <laughs> Well, we did. I did see Judge Dredd got a wee, a wee out and on the. Uh, he did, yeah, he did. Oh, I, I, I mean, if if we're talking, I think if we go in the demolition, Matt, he's definitely the Wesley Snipes character. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that the, um, the Russell Sylvester Sloan then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a neat segue. That's a great film, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. 
And it's on, back on Netflix. For, uh, the, is it back? Oh, it was on Prime oh, for ages. Fantastic. It was on Prime for, no, it was yeah, on Prime for a while. I saw it on ITV2 recently. So yeah, we watched it early on in lockdown. It's just a great, wonderful film. So to my good. mind, Sandra Bullock's greatest film. Speed. No, I like it better than Speed. Yeah. I think it's, it's got a bit more about it. It's definitely Rob Schneider's best film. <laughs> that's, a, that's not a high bar. Mm. <laughs> anyway, back to the lines. Um, <laughs> Rob Schneider for 10. And Adam Sandler on the wing. Um, the uh, but the, I think the the, the the reason why a lot a lot of people have said this week that Russell isn't you know shouldn't really be nailed on ten for the Lions, and I can kind of understand it in a way that I'm not necessarily sure that he fits in neatly with what with the selections Gatlin's made in the past. But if the reservations have been that Scottish players haven't got big game experience, then here we've got Finn Russell playing in the final of the European Champions Cup. And he's been instrumental in the way they've played. I suppose the only concern I would have, Ian, and I'll, I'll throw this to you, is that Finn Russell has said himself in the past, he thrives when he's happy and in a good environment. Now, the Lions can be a very difficult environment. He didn't have a great time last time round with the Geography 6 debacle. And he said, I think, that he was pretty much isolated. So whether or not, I mean, that's a big ask to go into that environment with players who effectively gave you the cold shoulder the last time you're on tour of them and, and, and be running the game from there. So, Cass, what's the question? Is Can Finn Russell be happy on a Lions tour? I think so. He's a pretty happy-go-lucky chap. Um, I think that his, him and the rest of the Geography 6, it was their status within the squad. The fact that he even got called to Geography 6, for example. <laughs> um I think that probably counted against them because they knew they were like dirt trackers. They're not even dirt trackers. They were dirt trackers for the dirt trackers. They were dirt tracker binges. Um, <laughs> so I think that definitely affected things. And, you know, well, people, but the, the rest of the pros, they watch the games themselves. They, they've seen what he's doing. They see he's tearing up in Europe. Um, so obviously, you know, they'd, they'd have to respect him. You know, if he's there on merit rather than mm. geography, then, you know, I think... They, they wouldn't have to get along with him, but I think they would find it pretty easy, and I think he'd, yeah. he'd be all I right. suppose the, the only downside, John, would be if, the, if if Warren Gatland goes with something like, you know, established combinations, because yeah. that, you know, you maybe got, I think Ali Price and George Horn are probably outside bets for the Lions yeah, too, yeah. unless they have a really good run at it, and you know, outside maybe, you know, Sam Johnson, I think there's probably better 12s. Out, it's on, we're likely yeah. to see a Scottish twelve, I think, on the Lions too, right? Certainly in the in the main squad, so that's that might go against them, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's fair, but you, I think you have to look, you, you have to look past that um, combinations. You know, that's that's fine to a point when you've got those options. You know, you've got the option to maybe throw um, a Connor Murray and a, a Johnny Sexton from five, seven, 25 years ago uh, on a pitch together. And if you've got that option, that's great. But I think you can't look past an individual talent like Russell and the way that Russell's f- managed to fit into both the racing setup, which he's obviously thrived in and um, has taken a real leadership role in, but also like things like the Barbarians, where you know he, he obviously tore it up with them as well. And he, he showed... He showed he was, he's a big personality and he's capable of handling. You know, he had, he, I remember an interview with him 
um, right at the start of his Glasgow career, actually, and he was he was being asked, you know, how does it feel being, you know, you're the new kid on the block, but you're running the game, you know, you're you're a ten, and you have to boss these very experienced people around, and he was very matter of fact about it. It's like it's my job. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. They have to listen to me. It's my job. So, um, in typical Finn Russell fashion, just it says says what's on his mind. But no, it's. Um, I really don't think Gatlin will be able to hide behind that. Um, I think on form, Russell's the best 10. Um, I appreciate what people are saying regarding internationals and not being back in the um, back in the fold yet, but perhaps, let, let's see. I think we're doing hands in the ruck later on, so let's let's perhaps see if that gets a wee out yeah. later on. Um, we've got Joe Shepard says, so Warren Gatlin will always think about himself. It's about his legacy, not the team. Sexton isn't currently first choice. Finn probably is. Conor Murray won't or shouldn't be going. I, th- I think there's an element to that with this too, and that it's it could go both ways because there is this Gatlin legacy that, that and, and he's I don't get the impression that from you and I, John, did the 97 Lions yep. tour recap over lockdown where we watched that documentary. And the, there was no sense that, that Geach or Jim Telfer were looking to their own legacy. No. But you get that sense that Gatland has the potential to have that that about him, to, to be thinking that, you know, I'm going to coach the Lions to three successful tours, well, three successful ish tours, given they drew the, the one in New Zealand. That they would have won if they obviously they they played Greg got Greg laid off the bench, absolutely as I suggested. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I think that, that it's an interesting point Joe makes that, that that Gatland has this tendency to be his own man and make his own decisions. Sometimes, not necessarily taking a wider view on on things or what is best for the team or the Lions. A lot of it's no. what's good for Warren Gatland and Warren Gatland's team. I think that 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 in itself is okay for the Lions if we if we put aside the so I appreciate the point regarding the Lions overall right the 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 legacy of Warren Gatland thus far has been to alienate probably a significant portion of Scottish fans from Lions by choosing not to pick players and you know he's he's obviously had his reasons for that uh, and we keep, we've argued that till you know the cow the cows are home and are tucked tucked up in bed with their the Roval team now, um with that one but in terms of is the that sort of thought process that short termism it should work for the lines you know being able to make the big calls dropping a Driscoll for the last Australia game maybe uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Maybe a lesser coach wouldn't make those calls, but Gatland, Gatland is a very well-renowned coach and makes these decisions. And um, I just hope he can see past the fact that Dan Biggers a frankly awful ten <laughs> in this squad. I, I suppose in this time he's got no skin in the game this time, other than for past loyalties. He's not Wales coach. He's not you know trying to do favour. I don't think you'd ever say he was doing kind of mates a favour or anything, but there, there was this an element of unconscious or conscious bias towards players that he knew. Yeah, and also mean the fact is that after, <clears throat> excuse me, um, after the Lions, he's going to have to continue his relationship with those players. So maybe you know maybe there was an element of that to it. Um, I'm still kind of frightened by John's wee analogy there because if a cow's having an oval team, that means it's using milk. So is it using its own milk? 
I will leave that for you to to decipher. <laughs> different different animal okay. different animals give milk, Ian. <laughs> what, what type the cows use though? What's the cow use? Well, they drink they, they drink cows milk. What do baby cows drink? Uh, <laughs> water. Why do you think cows? Why do you think like let's let's just part the rug for a second. Let's get down the birds <laughs> and the bees. Yeah, why do why do why do lady cows produce milk? <laughs> for us to enjoy in our coffee. And tea, <laughs> yeah, but but also, yeah. also originally though. But if, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was kind of cannibalistic in some kind of fashion, but it's not, is it? No, it's not. No, no. <laughs> no, it's, the, anyway, it's, it's, it's literally drinking it for the reason it was intended. Yeah, it was intended <laughs> rather than well, that's because you're a vegetarian. You know these things, can we? we I do. Well, I, I tell you, an intro, we were watching Country Farm, my wife once, and we were watching about veal calves, like a little side 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 divergence here. So it was about veal calves, and the, the whole argument was you should add, veal's not a bad thing because it deals with waste from the dairy industry. And my wife was like, "What's the waste from the dairy industry?" I was like, "Well, all the, all the boy cows. You don't need the boy calves." Because you need one, and he goes off and does his job, and and that's that's that, and the rest, well, they're, they're useless. She was like, well, well, "Well, can't they produce milk?" And I was like, "No, sure, why not?" I was like, "It's only the lady cows that produce milk." <laughs> but here's the thing: so I like, and and she was like, "Well, of course, yeah." And you know, when we talked about it, and then I've I've told that story to people since, and they've been like, "Whoa, you mean like lady cow men cows don't have others?" I'm like no, <laughs> like I know I'm from Berwick and I went to school with like a load of farmers lads and stuff. And but I'm like, this isn't like something that only people that grew up in the countryside should know. Fed from the ball. But there, apart from Ian, who thinks that cows don't drink cow's milk? Uh, I, was, uh, I was bottle fed. That's my excuse. <laughs> Where were we? Finn Russell has he previously picked Welsh players because they're Welsh? Yeah. Um, financial gain as well. Yeah, but also, I mean, the thing as well, um, they were winning stuff. I mean, they're, they're the yeah. Six Nations champions, so, you know, until somebody knocks them off their perch, I mean, they've not they've not been brilliant under Wayne Pivak, but it's obviously, you know, a big, big cultural change and style change. Um, so we'll see how these, these uh, autumn tests and then... Uh, are we getting a proper Six Nations next year as well? Is that still the plan? That's the plan, I think. That's right. the plan. So, so we, I think we'll it's very much watch this, watch this space. Um, Ryan, Ryan Cobain's been on. He says, coming for, on for rugby and getting a biology lesson. Just what's needed on a Tuesday. <laughs> glad, we could, glad we could help with that, Ryan. Um, I suppose while we're kind of speaking about Finn Russell and we, we started talking about Europe, we've got five players. Sorry, five players in there. Is it five? I've got that right. Five, no, four. Four, four players in the finals. You've got I've... Finn, Finn Russell, Sam Hildago Klein, Johnny Gray. Sam Skinner. Sam Skinner. Sam Skinner, Stuart Finn. Hogg. Stuart Hogg, five. Yeah, there's four from Exeter and Finn. Yeah, 4v1, and we're all team Finn, yeah? <laughs> I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not, I mean, aside from the fact that there are four Scotland nationals playing for them, it's they're a hard team to like for reasons that we've discussed in previous podcasts. <laughs> You know, am I supporting the French team or am I supporting the team with the uh, racist Brandon <laughs> who refused to engage with that at all? And they introduced oh, and they, they introduced the caterpillar rock as well. So oh, was God. was that them who introduced that? Like, well, that's the the let's just say it was. They, they, yeah, they kicked yeah. up a big stink about it. It was them doing it that kicked up a big stink on Twitter last year. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it was them who probably invented the choke tackle as well. Then. 
I know, I know it's great. Killing ex- Exeter, Exeter, killing the killing game. They, they invented booing. The fact they've been playing the tomahawk chop over the audio system, I think, mm. just, just yeah. oh, anyway. So, anyway, so, but anyway, we've got this. The reason I mentioned that is because we have got the autumn test coming up, and we can actually start to talk about them now because it seemed like a growing certainty. Uh, we're certainly a few weeks away now from the Georgia warm up, so. There's a couple of bolters, and Samuel Dago Klein is one now. This was Ian Wallace's, the artist formerly known as the Beard of Scottish Rugby, Ian Wallace. Um, Tafka Boss, I think I worked out that was today, <laughs> for abbreviating it. Um, his, this was his hands in the ruck, but I think it's worth discussing now. His point was, there are a lot of players in Exeter who do, Exeter do very well as a team. There's a number of individuals that have played well for Exeter that don't get picked for England, for example. And as Ian pointed out, you know, Samuel Dowell-Klein is a good rugby player, but he struggled to get a club. He struggled at Edinburgh, and yes, he's doing well at Exeter behind a dominant pack, but he's 28, I think, now. So if he was... I don't think a few games... Ian's point was a few games for Exeter doesn't jump him ahead of George Horn or Ali Price in the pecking order for Scotland. I mean, do you think we'll see him called up, Ian, to the, to the, to the wider camp? I mean, you'd think that's a likelihood. Yeah, they are talking about making it a, a bigger-than-usual camp. I think that was a Stuart Hawke interview. Read that yeah, the good, bad, and the, the good, bad, and the rugby. Mm, um, so, and also, I believe Henry Purgos is injured. He's certainly missing the Ospreys game. Um, I read that earlier on. Um, if you're taking four scrum halves, Probably he's going to be in it, yeah. If you've got Price Horn, um, Pargos, if he's fit, if not, Dolby, uh, and then what that's your only other option, really. So, yeah, that would, would have to be in the reckoning. And if he's playing for a you know a confident team, if he's you know if he's playing confidently, um, and for a winning team, if he's included in a winning team, he must be doing something right. So, if you'll have to earn it, but you know, he's, yeah. it's always one of these things that we say about him is that. He plays well when he's looking for a contract. Um, <laughs> yeah. The um, the other kind of bolter, I suppose, John, which a few people have mentioned, and I meant to touch on it last week, but we ended up doing, I think, like a, an epic one and a half hour podcast, yeah. um, is um, Callum Hunt Hill. Yes, yes. CHH, not quite Triple H, but he's getting there. Um, yeah, he's playing playing really well. Um, working the part for the, the, uh, the cheats so um yeah him, him and swino are uh, tearing it up um so no it's uh, again wider squad i think i think you got to get these guys into camp and see what they're all about um not not entirely sure there wasn't um so cam hunter hill uh, went south um there was perhaps some stuff going on um, that the SRU were not thrilled about, but um, we um, we move on. And, um, Please. Uh, <laughs> and, his Twitter is he's woke. He's, the he's very woke. He's, he he probably, probably, probably come on here, wouldn't he? He would I probably come here and talk about how what a walloper Donald Trump is, and he wouldn't play. For, I mean, he's happy enough to pay for, for Saracens, but that's you know that's financial cheating. That's not being racist, like. <laughs> <laughs> there's got there's got to be a moral line, hasn't there? 
Um, so uh, any other um, any other bolters or kind of outside bets, Ian, for you for the for the autumn squad as we as we stand? I mean, I know it's early days. I mean, you're going to have the South Africans in. We've already talked about that. But anybody else that you think we should be looking out for? Um, James Lang's been getting a bit more game time yeah. than Harlequins, but um, he's not been playing particularly well, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I've seen him. I saw him be thrown an intercept pass, which ended up costing him a game. I think that was against Bath. And um, did you see the Quinns game last night? Actually, they absolutely threw it away. Ah, the, um, the Mike Brown could not have happened to a nicer oh, man. Yeah, uh, they got like. Uh, Elia Elia got himself sent off early doors. Well, it's not sorry, not early doors, but about halfway through the second half. Uh, at which point they had a big lead and then just capitulated it. Um, <laughs> so perhaps not. Uh, you know, but he's he's a sort of ten twelve hybrid mould. We've already got Pete Horn for that kind of thing, or or uh, you know Russell Hastings. Yeah, as we enjoy so much. Um, Hastings. Other than that, I don't. I mean, because we've been seeing so little action from the Pro 14 teams, um, we can't pick anyone, you know, might get the staff from McDowell in there, but, I mean, how many games before they do this, the squad or something? Like? Exactly. Well, you've got the, the we'll, we'll do the we'll preview in a minute, um, the, the kind of Pro Pro 12 as it's going to be in a moment, but I think it's probably only really at, at least one, if not two games, because yeah. before the, the, the Georgia match, which I think is the 24th of October, Enjoy that yeah, Georgia uh, warm-up game. I was at the twenty-third, maybe three twenty-third, something like that. Yeah. So you've got. I mean, just if you don't, I'm going to go through the results of the before as a neat segue, and because this it kind of covers a couple of outside bets for the, or at least one outside bet for the, um, the autumn squad is the Embra Player of the Season awards, which were happening as we came on here, and have now finished. So, in in true six o'clock news style on a Saturday night if you're going to watch Match of the Day later. If you are going to watch the Embra um, Player of the Season Awards uh, broadcast later, but you join us for this, then please look away now, because we're going to... Well, no, actually, t- t- turn off the volume. <laughs> Mute it, because I'm going to speak. I'm going to tell you, because this is no good in an audio format, even though we're, we're broadcasting as well. So, um, Man of Steel this year was Luke Crosby. Now, he also won... Luke Crosby also won another award. He won Young Player of the Season. Now, there was long rumoured that he was on his way over to Glasgow, Luke Crosby, and obviously he hasn't made the move. The rumour I heard was that he'd, he'd bought a nice house in Embra and wasn't that keen on moving. It's the rumour I'd heard. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But, I mean, he's he's going to be... I know Sandy speaks very highly of him the way he's played, so he's going to be an outside bet. The other one um, award winner tonight was uh, most improved player of the season was um, George Taylor. Okay. Another prospect at centre potentially. Mm. Ian, you're looking doubtful. No, I've just well, I was thinking, yeah, he's, he's got potential, but again, he's you know his primary position is number twelve, so that's already kind of covered there. Yeah. He's mainly um, like, like really twelve, can... isn't he? 13, isn't he? Yeah, he's mainly like uh, twelve. Usually Johnson outside him. Yeah. It's quite quite concerned as well. Thinking about um, I am um, during the the um, Bordeaux game, the centres in particular were, you know, we're not going to write one write them off because of one poor game against Bordeaux, but um, certainly I didn't see anything during that game that filled me with excitement. Yeah, mind yeah. you, who, who we won't probably be seeing again at twelve. Guess who? Duncan Taylor got himself injured. <sighs> classic, classic yeah. dunk. Oh, have we heard boy, much more on, on 
Have we heard much more about that injury then? Is that... Uh, no, but no. it's him, so he's probably, you know, shattered it to a thousand pieces. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, T- the, the, the Terminator when it, in T2 uh, when it goes... I... <laughs> What's the name? What's the guy... Uh, What's that M. Night Shyamalan film with uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays Glass? <laughs> can he walk up breaking bones? Duncan Taylor's glass. So who's Bruce Willis then? Who's never injured? Mesh. Good question. Mesh, yeah. He does get injured, but not. Yeah. Well, that was like when he broke. He was it, he broke his arm or his hands just before the Six Nations. Hand, yeah. And we thought he might be out for the entire thing, and he only missed two and a half games. Two and a half games, <laughs> and he came in, came in, he came in <laughs> and beat more men <laughs> than all sides combined in the second half. One of the few highlights. No, that was it. No, he he went to. Did he go to number three in um, players beaten after one yep. game? Yep. Yeah. So yep. I think we will put him as the Bruce Willis character. Yeah. Cool. Who's the Who's the? I mean, I, I don't I don't want to guess who the. Uh, the um the the character with like the seven different personalities is <laughs> let's not let's not go there. Um, the um other Ember Awards then um the this year's Iron Man. Now I don't know how that differ differs to Man of Steel. I don't know whether is Iron better than Steel. One's a ferrous metal. Is Man of Steel like the most tackles or best tackle completion, and then Iron Man just the hardest? Or Oh, there we go. Right. Pierre Schumann's won. Pierre Schumann's won that. Um, best newcomer is Nick Haining. Point of order. Apparently, they mentioned his Wikipedia entry. Just to repeat, that was us. It was not Nick Haining's mate. We put on that he used to do ballet, and then that was reported in the national news. So that was us. And we and it, and and I think and anytime anyone mentions it, we need to be cited as the source of that. <laughs> Edinburgh Rugby, if you're watching this. It's a uh, pat of theft is what it is. Um, Luke Crosby won Young Player of the Season as well. Um, and Duhan van der Merwe won Players Player of the Season. Of course he did. Grant Gilchrist won Principal and Prosper Player of the Season. I think he's played like three games all season. That's just like one of these weird ones. Like when Ali Price won Player of the Season, was it last last season? And he'd been muck up until Christmas. Aye. Um, and then is he it just, Is it one of these ones where it's like a fans vote and then everyone just, all the kids vote for who's on the, who's, who they've got a poster of on the wall? <laughs> why Why would you have a Grant Gilchrist poster on your wall? Why am I talking about it? terrifying. Can you imagine waking up to that? Your <laughs> life-size <laughs> geek trolls just cut out. Ah, like a giant My- square head just looking down at you like, ah! <laughs> My youngest keeps having waking up having nightmares about gorillas staring at him. I'm wondering what, but he hasn't got a Grant Gilchrist poster in his room. Wean him off it with a Grant Gilchrist poster. You think a gorilla's scared? Look at this, son. Look at this. Oh, the gorillas, daddy. There you go. Parenting tips. That's what we give in this podcast. Next, I mean, the pro. 12 as it is as it stands and we'll come on to that in a minute um kicks off this weekend uh even though the the season's literally just finished because yeah. of the mad times that we're living in so um on friday i'm going to say friday then it's going to turn out it's saturday on saturday in fact it is saturday we've got ember v ospreys at murrayfield and then you have got uh glasgow away at connacht 
with the uh, now is the I think we we didn't really get onto this is the Connacht um, sofa sin bin of shame COVID secure? <laughs> well, to be honest, it's it's so far away from anyone else that uh, you're you're doing way more than two meters distancing. You, you know, you're going to have to have two though, aren't you? Because you're going to have to have one for each team, unless someone's going to get the anti back spray on it in between. Well, that's it. Or maybe maybe they're forming like maybe they're deciding beforehand who the potential troublemakers are and thinking, do you know what, let's create a social bubble for those guys, right? And then, you know, then it's fair game. Ryan Wilson's got his own suite. (laughs) (laughs) Footstool, he's got a sofa footstool, the telly. We've been expecting you, Mr. Wilson. Your favourite periodicals. Ryan like Wilson's periodicals. There's the there's the title of this week's podcast. Nailed it. <laughs> Do you have um, to like socially distance further in Connaught, like in Galway, because the wind will trap make the COVID travel? <laughs> <laughs> have to stand downwind of people at all times, and the wind's swirling, so it's just people running, people run constantly running around the pitch. <laughs> it's like a circle, but <laughs> like the Benny Hill music going on. <laughs> Machine head concert. The COVID's coming to get me. <laughs> I think in all, in all seriousness, we might be onto something here, guys. Uh, yeah. Should have moved. They should have moved it indoors. Probably would have been safer. <laughs> Maybe the wind just blows the COVID away. Maybe that's. Has anybody thought of that? Just getting some massive fans across the country. <laughs> Set them off. <laughs> Carry a yeah, fan wherever you go and just blow the COVID away from your nose. I start doing that. Just no, I'm going to. I reckon we could probably sell a batch of those to to a certain <laughs> section of uh, former Scottish professionals. Here, lads. <laughs> I'll do you two for one on some electric co- battery powered fans. <laughs> COVID <laughs> secure <laughs> hand fans. <laughs> Blow the COVID away. So guess guess rid of that five G as well. They can't hear your thoughts. They can't hear the can't read your thoughts. Buzzer for the fan. Blows away. Blows away the chemtrails. Oh dear. Anyway, it's a strange season because at one point, I think up until about a week ago, there was still the prospect that some some South African teams might pitch up halfway through and join in, but that's not happening. <laughs> well, Apparently. I mean, there is still the prospect that so South Africans might pitch up halfway through it's just we're not sure which South African teams are maybe teams with good. <laughs> or if it's this season or next it just says 2021 so who knows we're going to come on to we'll come on to that in a moment I mean the the, the issue is I think this season's very much up in the air because I mean, you know it, it isn't normal but the interesting thing I think is is Irish rugby well, the news come out of Irish rugby last week that they are going to struggle financially and everybody is but I think for the first time, Ireland are going to struggle. And that's whether or not from the hangover of what they've done in the past and the way that they run things, they get through this season. But beyond that, Irish rugby is going to look very different. They're not going to be able to put the same money into Leinster as they've done every year to help them win it, Ian. No, actually, that's something I was sort of in-depth checking on before we came on here. Um, yeah, they're talking about being €35 million Euros in the hole. Um this is like one of the few times that only having two pro clubs is actually a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, because 
obviously because it's all centrally contracted, we don't know how much um, Leinster get per year, but it's estimated to be sort of top end Premier level, sort of seven million quid. Um, so you know, if, obviously Connacht don't get anywhere near that. Um, but if you're thinking sort of seven million, five million, five million for Munster and Ulster, you know, you're, that's up basically, you know. The, their finances are obliterated. I think they said uh, if January, if they can't even get people in by January, they're going, mm-hmm. to, start, they're going to start to need borrowing money. But then uh, they reckon it's something like five, five million euro a month um, they're losing out on in gate receipts. Um, so yeah, obviously there's big issues there. Unless even the, the CVC money that's coming, um, we don't know. You know they're going to have to or not. Or not, yeah. Or not, yeah. There's no news as to. I think that's still an ongoing discussion. I mean, I think finance, like you said, we're lucky we've got two proteins, John, because yep. we maybe don't. I'm not going to let you do the classic Embra dig here. Let's let's move. Let's gloss over this. But we don't rely financially on gate receipts as much as other, um, you know, as maybe other other teams in the Pro 12 slash 14 do. You're not allowed to make the Embra joke. People so, can insert their own joke there. Insert their own joke. Oh, this is painful. Oh, okay. No, we don't. <laughs> we, 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 um, we, we, because we've had low crowds at both pro clubs for 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 many many years prior to Glasgow's resurgence, um, we we didn't really have capacity to rely on fans. You know, you know, both teams were playing in front of two men and a dog. Uh, various rented stadiums so we didn't have the capacity to actually rely on fans and that's continued it's pro- it probably has served us quite well in that you know it's a bit of a bonus now that both teams get decent decent attendances and that Scotland obviously from a national perspective as well we were one of the you know one of the tier tier one nations that were very much not selling out our stadium and you know we were getting crowds of 15,000 along to you know, game autumn internationals and things like that. So uh, we weren't in a great place uh, with that, and then we got a wee bit successful and stuff started to turn around. And now we get sellouts, and you know, financially we're we've probably done a lot better um, than quite a few people, as even even with um, as per last week, paying our, our chief executives bonuses and stuff like that we've done okay we've done fine so it's all good yeah um yeah i mean i'll start i'll, I'll let you you we can talk about glasgow a wee bit then because kevin miller saw on twitter done his depth chart and actually you're not you're not looking too bad up front in the forwards there's a couple of maybe kind of full back a little bit light which was expected because <laughs> not really had a, a, a replacement for stuart hogg as of yet leone nakarawa's back in the country which is a is a bonus but he's two weeks to he's got to isolate for two weeks and then go into pre-season. So the chat is he's not going to be available till December because he's going to go into camp with Fiji. But you know, potentially Glasgow are going to lose a lot of players to Scotland because it's going to be an enlarged camp. But at the same time, there's a a fair few young ones that are going to have to step up. I suppose here. I mean, this is going to be the test of the likes of Stafford McDowell. They're going to have to and Robbie Nairn. They're going to have to step up this season because there isn't there isn't really the opportunity to kind of ease in and. Drifting and out of games. Yeah, you're not just going to get sort of the odd run out against um, a, a already defeated and de- dissolute zebra. Um, but you know, every, every other team's going to be in this kind of scenario. They've not been able to sign people either. Um, and you know, like you, yeah, I looked at the, the squad depth and you're like, 
seeing as there's no injuries, this is actually not too bad, apart from the obvious not a real fullback amongst them um, issue. But uh, you know, Glenn Bryce is in there, he's solid enough. Um, some of the younger players that, that are in, uh, Ollie Smith, for example, and um, one of the other forwards, but I can't remember who it was, so I thought, oh, they've, they've, or Rory Jackson, that was the other one. Um, you know, they've, they've got potential, um, so maybe getting them exposed to a higher level than they're used to would be would be good. Um, but like I said, you know, every other team's going to be the same boat. They're all going to lose a handful of internationals um, for an extended period of time. Uh, and hopefully, you know, in Glasgow are maybe just a couple of inches away from it being a crisis, but, um, you know, there's, there's decent depth there and uh, potential. So yeah. not as pessimistic as I thought it would be. <laughs> are you feeling optimistic, John? Um, to be honest, I'm really struggling with how to feel at all because it does just feel like the season ended 30 seconds ago, and I'm I'm still kind of trying to like every time someone said, "Oh, the season kicks off again this week," it's like, ah, really? Okay, fine. Um, what? So I was feeling quite pessimistic after the first Edinburgh game, but um. I resolved to kind of relax and, and just embrace that things may feel different under Danny Wilson, and that is okay. Um, we may kick the ball a bit more, and we may play a more forward-orientated game, but Adam Hastings is still going to do mad stuff, and Hugh Jones might, you know, with a cuddle and a, you know, a wee, a wee tap in the head now and then, and a well-done son, might turn out to be, you know, the one of the best 13s in the world like he was showing promise before Rennie got his hands on him um, so you know there's there's we, we've we've talked about recruitment a lot with Glasgow and we've, we've sort of indicated you know um, Edinburgh maybe there was some idea Edinburgh were getting the kind of the preferential treatment for a, for a couple of seasons but we've we've replaced RJ with a British and Irish Lion we've signed a World Player of the Year who, yeah, admittedly, because various circumstances will not see him till December, but he'll turn up in December, he'll do what he done last season and you know score it within a minute and then throw some mad offloads. So we do, we've done okay recruitment-wise and it's time for the young guys to really step up and kind of see what they've got. And there's lots of opportunities for them to, to kind of shine. And we always kind of remember, or a lot of us t- tend to remember that it's we're always one away from a crisis in that you know a big name gets injured and somebody has to come in and then they might be the next Stuart Hawk, they might be the next Finn Russell. Finn Russell came into the team because he was, you know, we were quite light at ten. It's these players need need to be given these opportunities and I think it's going to be really good for them. Yeah, I think, I suppose you forget Glasgow won the Pro Twelve with Finn Russell at ten in his second season. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It, it, Played very sporadically before that, and then yeah, it was his, his second second season as a pro. Um, yeah, his first season is first choice. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and it turned out all right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I was just looking at the chart. The only one position I'd be worried about is number eight. Although we don't think Ryan Wilson's going to be getting called up to Scotland camp, and well, I think he's. I think that's been that's that's official. I think I don't think he's retired, but he's. It's. Uh, I think there was definitely. Uh, Kind of an, an announcement of sorts that he wasn't. Uh, so if Matt Fagerson goes, then there's only him. Um, 
big big Jelly Villa Coloma. Is he is he he's back fit, isn't he? The the myth, okay. the legend. <laughs> yes, the doesn't the exist. Spotted. No, does not exist. Is 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 um I Listed believe he's for the same purposes. Uh, he's the same species as the the, the lesser spotted Jared Firth. Uh, formerly of these parts, allegedly. Um, maybe these are just maybe these players are just signed as tax write-offs. No, they must be. They must be. It's smart play. Smart play. Um, yeah, it's yeah. It's to 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 get our uh, our cut from the SRU up slightly. We make it. It's like you know when you know when you used to play for like junior junior uh, football and rugby and stuff like that, and it was like you would always have. You would you'd be registered, and then there would be that one guy that turns up and is not registered, or is dual registered, and it'd be like, ah, you're 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 such and such a day, mate. Just remember that when the ref asks you, it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> um, the one in I suppose just very quickly before we move on to Ember, that the there was a couple of people jumping to Dave Rennie's defence. I mean, Stuart Hogg was fairly damning, I think, about Dave Rennie and his yeah, interview with the good, the bad, and the rugby, but. Adam Hastings was kind of saying, well, look, you know, those times I wanted to, I think he said I wanted to knock his head rip off. Rip his head rip off. Rip his head rip. off. I know, he dropped me for a month and I wanted to rip his head off. Yeah, which is, you know, and that, but he said otherwise, other than, other than that, the relationship was good. Do you know, I think if, you, if someone wants to make you rip the head off. I'm not <laughs> other than the occasional homicidal thought, he's a decent fella. You know. <laughs> but... Um, Unexpected, and I suppose he kind of had to say that because he's in it, you know, not had to rip his head off, but he had to say, well, he was all right because, again, he's an SRU employee, Adam Hastings, so he has to, you know, he doesn't want to make the club look too bad. But Rory Jackson, who's no no, no longer, has re- long retired, has said that he had a good relationship with Dave Rennie and very honest conversations. And much his view on Twitter was very much a lot of the moaning is just disgruntled, disgruntled players. And if you're in a squad of 50, you kind of have to expect that you're going to have prolonged play times. Out playing, so it was an interesting, other different perspective. I think I would say that the Stuart Hogg response I found more telling because that spoke more to a difficulty with a, a problem with culture and lack of instructions, which is a different kind of problem to, I suppose, Ian is a different kind of problem to just a few disgruntled dirt trackers. Yeah, I think one of the sort of man management issues, particularly for someone like Alex Dunbar, um, was, you know, as he was a former sort of first choice and because of what Dave Rennie would say to him, oh yeah, if you keep playing well, you'll you'll stay in. But then you get dropped for Nick Grigg like the next week. Um, so I think, you know, for Rory Jackson, Rory Jackson kind of knew his place in the team. He knew he was back up Stuart Hogg. Um, maybe some of the other guys, they thought, their, their position in the team should be somewhat different to what it was and that wasn't communicated properly but you know it, it could just be several groups although when it's at, you know there's no smoke without fire um, and it's quite a number of people who have said the same thing kind of things um, but I mean that's, that's the problem with the, the only two pro squads you, you do have a, a huge number of pro players that you're trying to find yeah um, and then we've got I mean, we've got Ember. Ember's Ember doing all right for death. Bill Matter's out apparently for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't six, look six, like he's six, six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound too good. Um, but they've got you know Ember aren't they're not too shy for back rows. <laughs> no, not um, at all. Uh, Crosby we spoke about earlier. So. I suppose the test for Ember this season is going to be that they're going to lose their big players during internationals that they've previously been able to rely on. They've been able to rely on Duhan van der Merwe to cut to play on the wing and Jakob van der Voelt yeah. to play at 10. And those guys are going to be in the Scotland squad. 
and even if I mean, I'd be very surprised if Duhan van doesn't isn't in the match day squad for at least the first couple of games. See how he goes. Jakob van der Volt might be a different proposition, but it'll depend how he goes in in training, I guess, and how well Hastings and Russell do. But there's a prospect, I suppose, of him returning to Ember, but then he's not there for the preparation and the build-up. So this is a test for Ember, and it's probably really the first time that they're going to have players in key positions missing, John, during those those key times. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, the point you're making about preparation is really important. Um, it's it's fine and well to say that oh, you'll get the player back, but they don't go back to you know late Tuesday, early Wednesday um, most of the time anyway. And that's assuming that there's no doubts because I mean you're talking about a big run of fixtures where. Players are going to be carrying knocks. Players are going to be struggling right up to, you know, three, four hours before game time. So it might well be if they're unlucky, where you've maybe got a Hastings or a, a Russell uh, carrying an injury, they might not be able to get those players back at all, um, which would be really difficult for them. And, you know, obviously Cockrell's shown already that it maybe didn't have 100% confidence in your boy Chamberlain, which, given it was his first pro start, is understandable, but um, he's going to have to develop that. Quite we've said that a couple of times on here, he's going to have to develop that because, like it or not, you're not going to be able to sign anybody, especially at 10, and Jacko will be there or thereabouts the squad, and you're not going to get him back, So, or not going to get him back all the time. Um, It'll be a big challenge for them. Uh, they've yeah. always they've always relied on their forwards being away, but it's a different different game when you've got maybe those game changers in the back. So yeah, yeah. I suppose the big question there. I mean, for Adam Hastings has come out and said that re, you know Glasgow need to be in the final. That's that's what they should be targeting. They need to yeah. be targeting the win. It, it's got to be the same for Ember if they're going to progress. That they're they're at least looking at a semi final this year. Is that? I mean, do you think that's realistic or is it just too hardy and given? the uncertainty surrounding anything to make any kind of bold predictions at this point? I would say it's very optimistic uh, for both sides, particularly Glasgow, because we were quite far off the pace last year and we've not been able to improve at all. Um, Leinster haven't lost anyone, I don't think, uh, and they've been stomping all over everyone, so I think it's going to be more of the same again. Um, Munster, all right, fair enough, they lost Simon, but they've still got Dialendi and they've still got a number of Irish internationals. Um, so I think it will be very difficult. I mean, I'd, I'd even be happy with a playoff spot for Glasgow this year because it is a real season, uh, season of transition. Um, new coaching staff, um, you know, big overhaul of the sort of, you know, I think this is the last of the talismanic kind of guys has gone. Maybe maybe only Pete Horn is there from the, the old glory days. Um, but uh, I'd, say, I'd say playoffs for Glasgow would be ambitious. And Edinburgh, again, you know, they, they should be looking to, at least do as well as he did last season because they've not lost anyone either. I don't think. Um, well, apart from Matt, Matt Scott, obviously went, but they they seem to have their key positions sorted. The likes of Duhan, Jakob van der Volk, um, that back row. Even though they're going to be away for a bit, they still have the likes of Crosby and whatnot backing up. Um, but like with Glasgow, it's you know they're an injury or two away from an absolute disaster. Um, but I, I, you know, I think playoffs. You need to aim for the playoffs. Obviously, you want to win the damn thing, but with Leinster being as strong as they are, it's very unlikely. Um, yeah. We'll see that broken. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair, John. 
Yeah, I think it absolutely is. Um, I, 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 I think both teams need to. There needs to be a realism about the the type of environment that we're working in this year, and I think if, lots of clubs are in that same position. So anything could happen, but Leinster are still there and are still too strong for everyone. So you know, if you if you got playoffs, you're happy. Anything from there is a bonus. Yeah, uh, the big news today is that South African rugby have voted to move its four high-profile franchises, which are the Bulls, Lions, Stormers and Sharks, from Super Rugby into an expanded Pro 16 in 2021. So we don't know if that is 2021 the calendar year or 2021 the season. The Pro 12, or whatever they're calling themselves at the minute, don't know what their official brand is, it's still a Pro 14, according to the website. They've said... Yeah, the pro question mark have said <laughs> that they have structured the fixtures to allow some flexibility, I think, next early next year so that they could absorb South African teams. Although at that point, I think they were talking about the two teams. So the the cheetahs um, are... No, I'm getting this right. Is it that? Yeah, the cheetahs are not happy. So they're, th- they're looking to sue South African rugby because they're going to lose their place. The, the Southern Kings have gone under. Yeah, so they're, they're not. No, they're not bothered. They're, they don't exist. I don't think that they're, they're not bothered. They don't exist anymore, John. That's literally how bothered they are. I think with the cheaters, we should say that they haven't. I don't think they've threatened to sue yet. They've uh, looked for but, legal advice. They've Dodson basically. They've Dodson. They've seen the typhoon <laughs> coming in. They've got lawyered up. Um, I mean, it's a good. I, I, I suppose necessity. This has always been on the cards. Yep. because Super Rugby has been dying a very slow death. It isn't what it once was, and the travel involved was getting quite ridiculous in the different time zones for players. The, the way, as soon as the Pro 12 became the Pro 14, this was always on the cards, because those yep. two teams were essentially sent as, I suppose, forward scouts for how it oh, might boys. work. The South African teams want into Europe, so this is their gateway in there to play yep. the European teams. Time zones were, were, were there or thereabouts, so although you've got long traveling distances you're not suffering for jet lag when you get somewhere you can do these mini tours altitude might be an issue i suppose but you can deal with that well blue bloom if they get rid of the we're not going to bloom fontaine anymore fontaine, yeah that's a softage yeah <laughs> just level it that's, that's sort of that out isn't it so really jackson's literally breathing a sigh of relief right now <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose I'll start with you Ian. it this is a good move i think because it it, it almost legitimizes the pro 12 or the Pro 16, which has has kind of been a necessity for Irish, Welsh, and Scottish teams as a kind of means to an end for international rugby. All of a sudden, you add the South African teams, you start getting much more high-profile players playing on a more regular basis. You can it becomes more marketable, and you're always all of a sudden potentially you know you're competing with the top 14 in the Premiership for for names at least. Um, yeah, it could be a you know, a real boost to the competition. Um, the, the Southern Kings were obviously not the best. Um, cheaters as well. The first year they made the, the playoffs and they've been very exciting brand of rugby. Um, but now if you've got the big boys coming in, um, like you said, you know, it boosts the sort of commercial value of it. The only sort of caveat I would have is that they'll probably be better than us. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which will reduce competition like prize money and that and also it might drive away some fair weather fans if you know if 
Glasgow and Edinburgh start languishing towards the lower depths of the league. Well, I suppose the other way to look at that, John, though, if you if you if you kind of stick my optimist hat on, is that the standard of opposition has been raised. Yes, and so the players are going to have to raise their game week in week out, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, that's that's a very fair point. Um, I think we talk a lot on here about they're a good pro. 14 pro 12 player but they can't get there to an international level and the reason for that in a lot of senses is excluding your your Leinsters there isn't many clubs that are as good a challenge as you know quite reaching into that international level but if you're getting world world cup winning south africans all kind of pulled together in very good teams you're going to you're going to be facing some of the best players in the world and that's going to be the making of your you know your george taylor's your stafford mcdowell's that's asking them the real question is can you can you cut it against these world-class players and if you can then you're probably good enough to be in the scotland squad if you can't, you you're not you're not good enough to yeah. be an international rugby player, and that's the cruelty of it. And I think a part of the kind of I suppose part of the criticism that's levelled at the Pro Twelve slash fourteen slash sixteen slash twenty four hundred <laughs> is that it, you know teams don't will often not put their strongest yeah. side out to face Leinster, for example, because. If you play in the long game and you need that's not the winnable game. The game you need to win when the playoffs are the the other games against the beatable opposition. So why risk your best players against Leinster, who you know are going to get to the final anyway? And just get get to knockout rugby and then take it a game at a time from then. If week in, week out, you are going to have to beat teams, beat the big teams to be in contention, then you you're gonna have to, everyone's gonna have to raise their game, Ian, I suppose. Um yeah, but then with likes of Sexton and Alan Wynne Jones, who's very, very rarely. I think I've seen more Ospreys in my life than I've seen Alan Wynne Jones play for Ospreys. <laughs> um, you know, these guys, they, especially with the age of those two, for example, no disrespect to them, seeing as I'm older, um, but I've not had, you know, God knows how many thousands of minutes of getting smashed by big giant lumps of men. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, not on a rugby pitch, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but like you said, you know, Leinster have been coasting via second string. Second string Leinster teams have put like 50 points on the Warriors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think we've proven that, that the likes of McDowell and that aren't good enough. Um, not not him specifically, otherwise, like single him out. He's actually like he's a terrific player. He just needs more exposure. Um, but maybe some, some other players aren't but- good enough. But I suppose the other thing then is this is a criticism leveled by people who maybe follow the Premiership and Top 14 more closely that, that that's the problem with the pro question mark is that the big players don't play every week because they don't need to. Not because the squad's better, just because nobody else plays the big players week in, week out consistently. So if all of a sudden you have a competition... And I, you know, this doesn't necessarily do Scotland any good because all of a sudden player management not goes out the window, but becomes a bit more of a becomes a bit more stretched. Let's say if you have to play your big players every week, then that makes the competition more attractive for people to watch. If you know you're going to go down Ember and you're going to see Hamish Watson playing week in week out, that might cause a problem for Scotland because it puts at more risk of injury and he's going to be a bit more tired coming into nationals. But the flip side is it's much more marketable, John. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the 
the the real test of this will be whether the South African teams get access to the European competitions or whatever we decide to call it after if they do get access. So if you give these four four clubs coming in the opportunity to actually qualify for the Heineken, not the Heineken Cup, Heineken Cup, then all of a sudden that's four more teams that are possibly starting to come up come up the leagues. That top spot, that Champions Cup all of a sudden becomes a lot more difficult to achieve. You're probably going to need to put your team out a wee bit more. So you will see more of the big big players. Um, and I think Ryan, Ryan Cobain's made a very interesting point in the, the comments here. There, there we go. Regarding the, does it make it more attractive to television? It absolutely does because it's not just that fans in the stadium want to see more of these, you know, more of these Stuart Hogg players, more of these world-class players, People on television want to see that as well. And if people on television want to see it, they watch it and then sponsors get involved. Um, so it becomes so much more attractive for the for the TV companies. And whisper it, will we be away from Premier Sports? That's exactly what I was thinking. Is we can take it <laughs> Dragged, kicking and screaming. I, I think that's, that's a really interesting point that that then is the you know, you circle it back around. Yes, you have to play the players more to make it a more market, one, to be competitive, but also make it more marketable. Make it more marketable, you know, you end up with more more money yeah, because because the SIU is a shareholder in the yeah. pro yeah. question mark at the minute. <laughs> you know, that that's money that comes back then into fund rugby in Scotland. So there's a lot. I mean, I can see, I think you're right, you know, I can see the downsides that it potentially makes things harder for Glasgow and Edinburgh, but I could also see the financial benefits and plus sides of this as well, that it's, it makes the competition better. It's not then just a, something that players, a means to an end for international rugby. Yeah. But then what we'd also have to do is the SRU would have to make sure they hold on to the marketable players to get their full market value because we keep punting them down south. More, more <laughs> chance of doing that if we've got Amazon yeah, Prime or something. Yeah. In the bucks. I think, I think it's, it's, um, it's going to be interesting, no matter what what happens with it. That I think, um, you know, in terms of just new clubs coming in, it's always I just love seeing different styles of rugby, and you know, the South Africans have obviously got a reputation for really abrasive, aggressive rugby, and players need to be exposed to to that level. That's that's the fact of it, and I'm looking forward to whatever happens. Um, it'd be good just to see some rugby, to be honest. Yep. Right, we're going to move on. We're going to do this now. Well, we're low tie and we're low close and dogged by falling speedos. But I just want to know, did you see the legend that's to get down the lead? Yes, it's Where's Doogie Donnelly, our um, section of the podcast where we ask you to get in touch with anybody that you've spotted out and about loosely connected with Scottish rugby. We had one this week. We've got... Um, Ali Baxter got in touch on Twitter. He said he saw Petrus Duplessis in his local gym in Glasgow. He was wearing a trendy snapback and high tops. I don't know what a snapback is. Is that a hat? That's the hat. cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap. Okay. And high top. I know what those are. Uh, <laughs> whilst doing a comp- combination of sprinting sled pushes. Anyone know what a sprinting sled push is? He's, he's done a video on these before. The, it's very impressive. Um, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's, sort of, it's kind of like a scrummage machine style thing where you've got the slide out in front of you and you're sprinting forward with it, kind of like accelerating into the scrum. 
It's right. very impressive. He was doing that um, and leaning his head against a yoga ball, strengthening his neck. He had many curious and worried onlookers. He said he should clarify he looked in great shape and you don't appreciate these guys' size until you see them in the flesh. I was staring at his calves my whole workout. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ali will be uh, delighted to know that that tweet was liked by Petrus Duplessis' wife. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my so, missus was asking me a question about following. So I was... So Junior Bak- Bala- Balamaco or... Uh, Valacoloma. Go for it, Ian. What is go. it? Junior Bell. Oh, fuck. No, anyway. I, I nearly yeah, said the answer. For, 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 yeah, you nearly did, yeah. yeah. Former yeah. Glasgow Warrior winger, uh, Junior B. Let's go with Bill McCow. Uh, that's how you say it. There you go. Well done. So his wife is very, very interesting and has a very interesting kind of thing going on in Twitter as well. And I follow her on Twitter. And my missus was very confused about this. Like, what do you mean you follow a rugby player's wife? This is strange. So, um, but I, I stand by it. It's fine. She's very interesting. Give her a follow. The, we, I like the fact that you're using. You, I like the fact that you're using the podcast as a platform to justify this to your wife, John. Absolutely, yeah. I think she might be watching upstairs. So, uh, and if she's not, I'm going to play this back to her. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to endorse it either way. <laughs> you know, I don't think we should bring domestic issues on the podcast, John. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's all right, Alex. You you make up your own mind. <laughs> I think I follow Wayne Barnes's wife on Twitter. She's good value. Now I will say, uh, Polly see, Barnes no, is no. very good value. You see, because ah, Polly no, Barnes basically, probably, what basically every time Wayne Barnes, I, I think anybody, especially when Wayne when it's Wayne Barnes's wife, slags off Wayne Barnes every single yeah. time he sends a tweet. I mean, you've got to love that every single time. I think that's fair so, game. That is fair game. Um, so that was that was where's Doogie Donnelly. Um, that that's that. We're going to move on. We're going to go to uh, when I find it. Where's my next? Where's where's the? Ah, there we go. Last jingle of the night. That's right, it's Hands in the Ruck Time, it's our Any Other Business section of the podcast where we ask you to get in touch with your Hands in the Ruck. It can be good and bad, it can be nice and pleasant to have a Hands in the Ruck, and it can also be very frustrating. We've had a couple on Twitter this week. Um, Graham Stevenson says his Hands in the Ruck is it's likely there'll still be more championship players, uh, Saris, than Scottish Champions Cup finalists on the Lions Tour. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's fair comment. I can't really argue with that. Uh, There's still time. There's still time, still, damn it. I know, and they might not be playing for the Saracens at the time. They might be on loan somewhere off the books. <laughs> there is a rumour. Now, there is a suggestion because the championship isn't, because it's essentially gone amateur, they can't start up again because they don't come under the government, um, the, the, the English sports. government's professional sports rules. So, <laughs> apparently, there is a prospect that Saris may not play a single game this season and go up, or that they might just end up back in the Prem anyway, because one of the Prem teams is probably going to go bust at some <laughs> point. So they'll just be parachuted back in. 
It was so, all it was all a plan. N- Nigel Ray had this sorted all along, didn't he? He knew what and was all going the, on. All the Saracens players get, get rested in a lion's year. Yeah, Nigel Ray invented COVID nineteen. That's yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> heard it here first. That's <laughs> Allegedly, yeah, uh, yes, that's not true. <laughs> We've got in trouble for this kind of thing before. No, they did not do that. It was a joint investment venture with <laughs> COVID 19 is the name of the company, Marco Vinopola's um, property investment firm. It's the registered company under which he pays tax. Um, that's not true either. We should make that very clear. We are joking. I think that's Macco, is it not? Mac- Vunico, they call their company, the Vunipola brothers, the Vunico. Um, that must be interesting board game meetings because they didn't get on anymore. And I think they, they jointly run a business <laughs> that was set up in the Paxaris. Um, anyway, we'll move on before we get sued. Um, well, anybody watches this anyway. Um, <laughs> Roy Sturman gets in touch on Twitter. He says, His hands in the ruck is no Scottish games on Channel 4 when Ottoman nationals are shown. Irish, Wales, and England outings are all covered at least once. Also, have Channel 4 ever shown any Scottish teams in their Champions Cup coverage? Am I missing something here? I think that's just scheduling, if I'm completely honest. Partly there's a marketing thing there in that Channel 4 and the European rugby want the biggest teams playing. And let's face it, Glasgow, you know, Glasgow versus Saris is going to get, it'll get you, you know, enough people will watch it, but you're not going to get the same as you'd get two Prem teams or top 14 in yeah. Prem playing. But, you know, a bit of, Get the pros for 16 in, better competition, who knows? I think until we covered this last week, I think the, the Channel 4 thing is Channel 4 already had a deal for Ultimate Nationals with certain teams already. And so I think it's just they've made an agreement with Amazon that they're going to do some free-to-air. Yeah, it's the, it's the Ireland's games. It's the, they're, so they're saying that they're covering England, Wales and Ireland. Well, yeah, they are. They're covering England v Ireland and Wales v Ireland. And the Ireland games, yeah. it's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So that was it. Was no, a done no deal. conspiracy here. That's fine. <laughs> and Amazon Prime is only seven ninety nine, and you get a thirty free day, free, a thirty day free trial. Enter and the code Scottish Rugby Blog at the checkout. No, you don't. No, it's just uh, that doesn't do that, work. Yeah. That won't work. No. Try it though. Uh, it might work. Here's an interesting Amazon fact, and I haven't. I, I meant to mention this last week. If you have an Alexa machine. And you say, Alexa, play Scottish Rugby Podcast. Our podcast plays, <laughs> not the official one. <laughs> because someone was smart enough to get in as soon as uh, Amazon started doing podcasts. That's fantastic. So there you go. So any say, say your Alexa machine, Alexa, play Scottish Rugby Podcast, and you get the latest episode of our podcast. Do you think we could ask Jeff Bezos for a tap now that we've mentioned Amazon a few times? It's not I like think so. Majority of you, Bob. Oh, we I think I think it's more like if you see him enough time, he pops up in your mirror and murders you. Is that not? <laughs> or is that Candyman? Takes more money off you. We <laughs> should also again point out, allegedly, allegedly. we're only kidding. Jeff Bezos is not the Candyman. Candy I'll make that clear. My lawyers have instructed me to say that. Um, Ali McFarland, uh, this wasn't a hands and rock, it was more a general question, but I'm going to stick it. He says, um, Glasgow Warriors are selling a season ticket for this season, but Embra aren't. I thought the SIU would take a unified approach. Any ideas why? I th- Glasgow still got that thing where they've kind of got their own thing going on, haven't they, kind of marketing-wise? And well, I, think- I don't know if it's just because Embra sit on a bank of desks over from the SIU marketing guys 
and share an office, an open plan office, I'm assuming. That's just the, the SIU sit, could be a sitcom I've, I've right in my head, but let's imagine how it happens. Well, I think what's happened is that it's, it's if you don't have a season ticket, you can join this thing called Warrior Nation. So it's like an official sports club and it puts you on a short list for um, season tickets that come up or match day tickets for European games and uh, playoffs and what have you. Because um, it's, I mean, the tweets and, that, and even the email I got, they're not exactly crystal clear. Um, but I've signed into my account and it says that I'm a current season ticket holder. Um, and I've not been asked for any other money than the 55 quid at the start of the season um, thing they were doing. Um, so I think it may be Warrior Nation membership or it's something to do with if you're a Warrior Nation member, there's 500 season tickets that haven't been renewed and that gives you like first dibs on getting them. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, rather than actual saying you can buy your season ticket for X amount and we can guarantee you five games or whatever. So I think it's season tickets that have become available and that are available to Warrior Nation members. Yeah. Initially. So, so there you go. There you go. Hopefully Ian's answered that question for you. That's what we think it is. But nobody's going to rugby anytime soon anyway, so let's not worry about it. No, that, um, that news from down south that all the amateur stuff's cancelled until January is quite disconcerting. It is quite disconcerting. It doesn't look good for a ton to rugby anytime soon. I mean, I suppose it's great that people are able to go. I think the fact that training's able to still go ahead and people are able to meet up and do that is fantastic. It's, you know, there's still a way of getting money to clubs and stuff in the meantime. I know it's not getting games back on, but, you know, rugby's all about getting away pals and playing. So there will be rugby at some point. We'll get back into it. But there's no no amateur rugby in England until January. Well, we'll wait and see. There's been no announcements about Scotland as of yet. So we'll see. The one interesting thing I thought, and I don't think anybody's... I wonder why nobody's done this, and SIU can have this idea for free if they're listening. Why have we not had drive-in rugby? Because fireworks night, I've seen drive-in fireworks nights where you go, you go into a big field, you park up your car in your designated parking space and you get a space around you, a, a socially distant space, take your picnic watch the fireworks, do the same big screen, put the game on a big screen. Everyone's got their windows doing, but you're socially distanced. You can all cheer, you can all shout, you can all sing. You know, I'm sure people, how much do you pay for a drive-in cinema? What, 20, 20 quid a pop for a car of four? So that's, no, that's easy money. Just find a field somewhere. I mean, if they wanted to develop in Mini Murrayfield, then you could you could use the back pitches. Yeah. Well, I think the... Sorry, um, Braidholm, where GHA play, they've got uh, AstroTurf pitches they train on right beside the main pitch. So you could fit a few cars in there, let a few people yeah. into the grandstand. Get me board down. Course. Yeah, you could easily do it. You could easily do it. So nobody, I've not seen it anywhere yet. Like flapper service, you know, people bringing drinks and beverages and whatnot. Lawyer might have something to say about this, though, given that he has the trademark on the driving, uh, driving from training uh, pitches over to games. <laughs> Allegedly, I don't know. If, do we know that was Ross Ford? <laughs> I'm already having a deal with about six lawsuits <laughs> today already. Well, um, I did Can like you the, value um, for money, mate. You can get one lawyer to sort all this. <laughs> I'm sure I think we've got at least three lawyers that listen to this, so we'll just get them to team up and help us. Um, the um, 
there, there's an interesting news from down in England where Wealdston are playing Chesterfield on Saturday. This is in football in England. No spectators are allowed in the crowd, and instead the game will be streamed on a screen in the clubhouse bar for a socially distanced crowd to watch, and the windows from the bar overlooking the pitch will be obscured. Oh, <laughs> so you could, you could do that. And they could open up the bar at Murrayfield whilst the game was going on yep. <laughs> and play it on a screen. So people could be in Murrayfield, socially distanced at the designated tables and watch the rugby in Murrayfield Taking place while the rugby the was happening in Murrayfield. <laughs> they could set up a big screen on the back pitches. You all get a designated, you get a designated table, big screen, yep. everyone wraps up warm because you have to wrap up warm to watch anyway. Easily done. 20 quid ahead. It's not a bad show. There we go. So I'll take a cut. I'll take 5% of game receipts. And you pipe the noise from there into the stadium so the players can hear it. Oh, gives them a okay, Here we go. It, it sorts itself out. We fixed rugby. We fixed We solved rugby. I don't think anyone has ever said we have fixed rugby, by the way. But there we go. If that happens, we take full credit for that and we want 5% of the door. Yep. <laughs> Um, Mark Wilson said it's madness not to allow 12 to 18 year olds to play um, I don't know I don't know enough, I'm going to be honest, I don't know enough about coronavirus, I think from what I understand it's. I've spoken to a couple of youth coaches and I think there's various issues with parents have to basically sit in the car while some other kids train with a coach and then the kids have to go back to the car but you have to have parents present and stuff so it, I think logistically it becomes difficult, it's a it's a shame, but I, I think the fact that we're able to keep doing training is is amazing. I think it's 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 full credit to the folk that work at clubs that allow it, you know, that are allowing that to happen and, and enabling that to happen. So I think the fact that we're able, players are able to train and get together socially and play rugby on, even not competitively, is remarkable. Given where we were a few months ago, so long may that be able to continue. Um. I'm going to search for another. I think we've got another hands in the rock. Come in, John. Have you got hands in the rock this week? Yep, I do. Yep. So uh, two two weeks in the trot that Mr. Finn Russell is going to make his uh, make his way into my hands in the rock. Um, people people talking about whether Finn should be straight back into the team, straight back into the Scotland. If he's selected for Scotland in the Scotland squad. People are saying, oh, he's, he's obviously not, um, you know, Adam Hastings is the man in possession of the jersey, etc., etc., etc. We, <laughs> international rugby's picked on merit. And Finn Russell has been tearing it up for his club side. So to suggest that he has no form to pick him for international rugby is utterly nonsense. Um we pick, we pick, you know, we pick players all the time based on their club form, and yet all of a sudden, because you know one guy's been exiled for the squad for a while, we decide that no, you need to pick him based on international. Shut up, I mean, I mean, boy, oh mate, um, yeah, nonsense. Um, we would be, and I, I think Gregor Townsend is a very smart man, and the chances of him cutting off, uh, we're not even just cutting off our nose with regards to that. We are cutting off many different bits of our body if we choose not to pick Finn Russell um, at 10 um, for these upcoming tests. So, yeah, just 
people people are saying, and I think, right, I'm going to speculate here for a second. I think people like to be controversial online, believe it or not. And I think people like to say things that they know are going to get a rise out of people like me. Um, and they, they do it for a laugh. And there you go. You've got your rise. I am, I am, posit- I am positively riled. So... Are we in wrecked? Are we in enjoy your cave, you bunch of trolls? <laughs> I, I think the, the one the one interesting thing is how they're going to handle it because uh, they've done a good job, I think. In you know, obviously Stuart Hogg's done a couple of interviews now, and I think part of that has got to be that they know he's going to get asked about it, and he's going to put out there that you know he's going to be playing for Scotland, that it's all resolved, that they've all talked and they're all made up. Gregor Townsend's been interviewed. He said similar things. Finn Russell's come out and said similar things. It's all very coordinated, and you know, th- there is this kind of. Th- th- it's very clear that he is back in the reckoning, and and, and it's all water under the bridge for them. Th- there's going to be though people who don't follow rugby closely, apart from in the international windows, and that's absolutely fine. I haven't got an issue with that at all. We've talked about it before on the podcast. That's that some people want to do that. I haven't a problem at all. Absolutely fine, but they're going to have to do it again. So we are going to, for all those people that say it's done, let's not talk about it. We're going to have to talk about it for the benefit of people who haven't caught those snippets of Finn Russell saying, it's fine, we've made up. And you know, there's going to be a big interview, no doubt with Mark Palmer or someone like that, where you're going to have Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend sat on the same sofa, socially distanced, you know, speaking <laughs> about it all and it'll all come out in the open. So I mean, but, but that's you know, that's still to come. The other issue that I suppose the other concern I've got is to see what the top fourteen do with yeah. the international window because they're not happy it's been extended by World Rugby to allow for these autumn internationals. Now they've got their own issues because I think everyone's everyone in French rugby at the minute is pretty much up on fraud charges. Um, and I, I kind of get sued by the whole French rugby, but they are up on fraud charges. <laughs> at the so I don't know if they're, they're, they've got bigger fish to fry at the moment. But that was on the cards that the top 14 were going to take legal action against World Rugby. So whether or not he's available for all the games might be an issue. Whether he's available for the Georgia warm-up, for example, could throw a spanner in the works. But I I agree with you, Joe. I think it's... I can't see Gregor Townsend not picking him at 10. Yeah, It's not going to happen. I think the interesting thing will be what then happens at backup. I think the... Adam Hastings is in a good place because he's he's played 15... Internationally, and below Stuart, you've got player Kinghorn, but Kinghorn potentially is looking at a start. So you, and he's got versatility as well. So I th- you can see Russell starting, Hastings on the bench. Prospect of him coming on at twelve, as he as great as uh, Greg Laidlaw revealed to Ian in his interview. Yep. Shifting it to twelve, full cats at a rave. Meow meow. Especially if you got George Warren at nine as well. The chaos. Yep. Ian, what's had its hands in your ruck at the minute? Because I think I've got a late contender just just hot off the press. Um, nothing major. I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's social media again. But uh, in particular, well, um, good old Ian Wallace got into a bit of a tête-à-tête with Austin Healy <laughs> uh, over the weekend. And the one bit that, that annoyed me was when Austin Healy pulled the... Oh, John seems to have disappeared. Um because Ian had tagged, like, for anyone who didn't see it right, Austin Healy was pulling the let's cut all these COVID 19 restrictions out, let's have get everyone back. Um, 
which obviously goes against government guidelines and what have you. Uh, so Ian Wallace pulled him out on this, and he tagged BT Sport in it at the time. Uh, so Austin Healy went with it. Or oh, you try to get me to lose my job. I've got four kids to feed. Now, I'm pretty sure that Austin Healy is doing better than a lot of people um, financially <laughs> for a start. Secondly, though, like, don't do that emotional blackmail thing. Thirdly, see if you think that what you wrote on a public domain was potentially going to get you in trouble with your employers. That's your own damn fault. I know. I like. I like the idea that Austin Healy like posted his own tweet that said, "I'm sorry for people who've lost loved ones, but the only way to get out of the COVID drama is the Swedish exit. Let's let us get on with everything and take our chances. The stakes are too big not to." Which I, I think completely misunderstands how the Swedish model has not worked. Um, as well as a number of other things. And let's take our chances. Well, I know people who are perfectly healthy who've got long-term impacts from COVID-19. So it's not just the flu. But I like the idea that Austin Healy put that on Twitter and thought, BT Sport will never see this. But then Ian, oh, but Ian Wallace, remember, has tagged BT Sport in a reply tweet. That's it, my, my job is our. But I think, I think if you are a broadcaster, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard of comments that you make now if austin healy genuinely has researched the swedish model and believes that that's the way forward then fair play he's, he's entitled to his opinion i think where that came from is it's a common bond of frustration it's not been well researched because of the replies he came back with he didn't you know i think ian raised a very valid point with him he didn't he didn't come in particularly try to troll him he just kind of said i think you're wrong and it's irresponsible to say that and then tagged bt sport and said what say you kind of thing and that's a valid thing to go back to someone like that with and say, what, what, what's your evidence? Now, if Austin Healy had come back, so actually, and if you look at the Swedish model, I think it's very successful and put his points forward. It's not, and again, I'll stress it, it is not successful in any way, shape or form. That would be fine because he'd be debated. But I think what he went back is, you're trying to make my, me and my four kids, you're a troll, you're coming at me. And it's this entitlement that these guys have in the media that say, well, you can't, you're trying to silence me. It's like, no, I'm just telling you what you're saying is wrong. I'm not trying to silence you try to debate you and coming back and throwing a tantrum about it doesn't particularly make you look very good there was two he did call there was two slightly derogatory insults thrown at him uh, clown and another one which we might not be able to say um, but no it was the yeah the sort of you like you said, it's, it doesn't seem to be a very well-researched um, opinion. And instead, you just sort of throw your toys at the pram and the whole, you know, you'll try and you, you try and make me and my four kids homeless. Um, yeah, that's, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't wash you. Um, yeah. Another thing that annoyed me was uh, Austin Healy uh, saying, so I, I've, no, uh, Andy Good, sorry, I've stopped following Andy Good on Twitter because I get fed up reading these pitch. Um but when he said uh, sending congratulations to Exeter, he said that all the fans will be doing the tomahawk chop tonight. And I just thought that's you know that there's a campaign against that. You deliberately sort of tried to go with people by mentioning the tomahawk chop. Why didn't you just say they're celebrating? Why did you have to specifically go with the tomahawk chop thing? Yeah. I think those are fair things. Hot off the press, um, this is on reported on the offside line that um Richard Cockrell wants the Pro fourteen to consider a salary cap. And uh, well, we that'd suit us certainly. <laughs> that's fine, I know because I would be below. Yes, I agree with Richard Cockrell. Let's have a salary cap, Ireland. I don't see you, Lensler. <laughs> I think I can kind of I take his point because I think what it would do is create a more level playing field so that you don't have unions stacking one side 
for for to be successful with their best players and it might even do a certain service i suppose to fringe squad players in that it doesn't just have leave them hanging on that you have to have more trimmed down squads so you don't then have players kind of just playing what three games a season but being paid relatively well to do that so you have to play everybody everyone has to play i'm not i think from a my only concern would be from a player welfare point of view, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea if it's better thought through. John, John, you you're nodding. Oh, John's on mute. He's I can't on hear mute. John. I oh, can't hear him. Set. No, it must be settings. He's changed his settings. Ian, Ian, salary right. cap. Um, welfare and potential exodus would be my concerns because we know that the salary cap would be probably lower than it is in England, you'd imagine. Um, and also France don't have one. So um, my concern would be that we would lose players. But if we get this expanded competition and the extra financial benefits from that, um, then perhaps it's it's a gore. Um, but do we... Are we, are we going to touch the... Are we even going to touch the edges of it? I doubt it. Hmm. Would, would we get near the salary cap? What is... I mean, the, the, Let's say that certain associations would be looking for a higher limit than others. Yes, I think that's I think that's fair to say. I might force people to get rid of their pro the the kind of pointless pro teams. I guess I say pointless pro teams. That sounds harsh, but you know Wales have been struggling on with four pro teams for a while now. And I'm not trying to do those pro teams wrong, but the the constant moan about Wales, we haven't got any money and all of this. Say, well, you've probably got. At least one, if not two, pro teams too many. Yeah, but then you're putting a pro player at a job, possibly. That's possibly, but I think that's un- that's kind of the unfortunate the, the cutthroat world of professional the, sport, isn't it? Exactly. Am and I on back? that note, can we hear me? You're back, John's yes. back. Hey! I'll, I'll throw you tuppence worth before we go, John, because I, I, I thought I thought we were gonna, I, I thought we'd probably get over the hour mark tonight, but there we are, an hour and thirty-five minutes in. Let's try and get to nice. You're four minutes, John. Go on. Four minutes. Salary cap. Salary cap. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good idea. Um, I think, in terms of there's a there's a couple of key points for this. Um, I think the cost of rugby, in particular, is um, has a start, had started to rise prior to to COVID. Um, seeing, you know, not saying these guys don't deserve the money they're getting, but you're starting to see players on the, the million pound contracts and things like that. And it's starting to get a bit silly. Um, the amount of money in rugby doesn't, you, you can't necessarily afford that in a sustainable way. So I think having a, a cap that allowed clubs to trim their cloth accordingly and actually still be competitive would be really sensible. I'd take all your points regarding player welfare. I think that surely um, would be something to be considered. But quite often with these caps, there's um, caveats for, for academy players. So yeah. it would be pretty much the same. So, no, nope, yeah. good idea. And it screws Leinster over, so I'm all for it. <laughs> and on that and on that point, thank you for listening to this week's episode, Ryan Wilson's Periodicals, as I think we're going to call it. Definitely. <laughs> We'll be back next week. We'll have a wee review of the pro question mark games that have been <laughs> a coverage of all the other news as well. Um, don't forget, if you follow the link, um, if you go to scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, you can find 
uh, the link to um, to the podcast page, and I'll show you where you can watch live every week, how you can watch back, how you can download it, how you can access the Patreon page. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Ian. Ciao.